It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Nugent Hopkins, left circle, wrist shot, score! Patrick Ryan Nugent Hopkins! Harris takes a snap, drops back, he throws. That's complete and a big game for the Eskimos. It's Ricky Collins Jr. again! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. What a pleasure to have you tuning in this evening. We are 26 hours away from the next Edmonton Eskimos game, 24 hours away from the start of our broadcast tomorrow night. Countdown to kickoff at 6, Eskimos and Lions at 8. The Eskimos back at it after the bye. They are 2-1. and one. The Lions are 1-3. and three. Some lineup changes for the green and gold. You're finally going to see... One of the free agent receiver signings from the offseason make his Eskimos debut. That is Devaris Daniels. Morley Scott is in Vancouver with the team. He is going to have the rundown of the changes and some other things to look for in that matchup. Brandon Davidson, who was a uh, fairly well-liked member of the Edmonton Oilers during his... uh, how many times was he with the team? I want to say uh, three times over the years or twice. He got traded a couple times uh, by Shirelli. He's coming back to Alberta to play. He signed a free agent contract with the Calgary Flames. Brandon Davidson lives in Edmonton with the offseason, so we will have him in studio. Tell you what, we can go a little interactive. Always cool to have a current NHL player in studio. you have any questions for Brandon, give us a text to 630-630. The open line number, of course, is 780 I got to tell you this, Eskimos and Lions. Now, you remember the story from last year. The Eskimos finished the season 9-9, so 500, but out of the playoffs, last in a very competitive West division. And part of the reason they finished last is because they were not good on the road, 2-7, and and they specifically were not good in BC Place in Vancouver. And you remember the story from last year. They had a lot of games on the road they let slip away in the second half at Hamilton, at Calgary on Labor Day, uh, at Saskatchewan on Thanksgiving Monday. All games they looked to be in control of or at least had a chance to put away in the second half and fourth quarter and were unable to do so. And the two games in BC, prime examples of this. I'm going to take you back to August 9th. The Eskimos were looking pretty good. They were up 20 to 10 at the half and were just crap in the second half. Were uh, outscored by the Lions 21-3 in the second half of the game and BC won the game 31-23. That was still relatively early in the season. The Eskimos had started fairly well but that was one where you thought, man what is going on? How could they not put that away? How could it get so bad so quickly? Friday, October 19th the Eskimos in a slump but still with a chance to make the playoffs. Huge game against the BC Lions again in Vancouver. Uh, Not a huge lead for the Eskimos at halftime, but 
up 22-17. And then in the third quarter... Lule looks to the right side. There it is. Touchdown, BC, as he hits Stavir Posey. With a, he releases quickly up in the air. That's complete. And is that going to be another touchdown? To the end zone for Posey as Aaron Grimes could not catch him. Lule takes the snap. But he'll throw. He's looking for the end zone. There it is. Touchdown. And it's another one for Devere Posey, who's got three touchdowns in the third quarter. Yeah, Devere Posey, a hat trick in the third quarter. The Lions outscored the Eskimos 21-zip in the quarter, 25-10 in the half, and won the game 42-32. And uh, another poor second half by the Eskimos. That's, that's really what I remember last season was how often we were talking about games that they, they had the lead. I mean, I mean Hamilton, they destroyed Hamilton in the second quarter. They're up 24-10 at the half. Couldn't put it away. They're up in Calgary on Labor Day in the fourth. Couldn't put away. Lose at the end of the game again. Uh, They're up on Saskatchewan late. And uh, remember Riley threw that interception to Willie Jefferson where he jumped at the line of scrimmage and picked it off and ran it back. That was a great day from the Eskimos defense. And what was especially frustrating last year was the Eskimos could have won those games even without scoring points. Many of those games, another first down or two in the fourth quarter would have taken enough time on the clock that, that the opponent would have run out of time. And it's very, and you have probably heard this over and over again from Jason Moss and, and from many of the players this season, and I know there's a lot of stories out there on and off the record in the community about last year's team, and, and Jason Moss talked about it again with Morley on the coaches show on Monday about guys spending some time together during the bye week, coming back, having the barbecue, having the bowling activity, not just with the players, but with members of, of, of the office, whether you're someone on the ticket staff in sales or whatever, everybody going out together. And the more and more I hear about this, you know, the more I wonder, quite frankly, how bad was it last year uh, in that dressing room? And, and, I, and I think it ties into some of these second-half collapses. I think there might have been, well, I know there were some players on the team who got a little fat and happy if they, if they had the production in the first half and, and maybe didn't go to the wall in the second half of games. And there's this real focus on playing for the guy next to you, getting to know the guy next to you on all sides of the ball and keeping that in mind. Hey, you know what? If, if it works, great. If it, if it doesn't work, if this is another team that can't finish as the season goes on, then it's, then it's going to turn out to be maybe a little bit of, of a hokey thing that, that didn't translate. But, you know, the, the, the further we get away from it, the, the more stories you get that things just weren't right with the team, uh, and and clearly some of those players have been allowed to move on or go to other teams or, or or whatever. And maybe even the Riley situation hanging over the club was just something that affected the psyche of the team because I think in hindsight there was very little chance he was staying, and, and I think a lot of guys knew that, and, and maybe that just affected the general vibe on the club. And that's nothing about Mike as a teammate, but I just think there were things swirling around the club last year uh, that hurt them and uh, they weren't playing for each other as much as they should have been, and Moss is really concerned about that that this season, and hopefully it translates. So far, so good. I, I mean, Montreal, they didn't finish the game well in the home opener, but they got the drive in the fourth quarter. BC, they were down and turned around. I mean, they dominated the second half in, in that game. 
the, the Winnipeg game, they actually played pretty good front to back, but simply couldn't get touchdowns. And clearly the Blue Bombers, the best team they played so far this season. So we'll see how they do tomorrow. Uh, in BC, again, 6 o'clock countdown to kickoff game at 8 right here on 6.30. Chad, another note today... Well, we, we've known about it, but the L.A. Clippers making it uh, official with an announcement today. Kawhi's going to the Clippers. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Well, y'all remember that one. He will be making those shots for the Clippers this coming season. The reported contract, three years, $103 million. The third year is a player option. So here's why Kawhi Leonard would want to do this. When you have 10 years of service in the NBA, you can make even more money. You can get 35% of the team's total salary cap. Leonard will hit that in two years. So he could opt out of the deal and then sign for even more money. These are insane amounts of money. Uh, he, the max he could have signed with the Raptors was five years, $190 million. That's $38 million per year. He could have gone to another team and got a max four-year deal for $141 million. That's just over $35 million per season. Uh, he is settling for $34.3 million per season with the L.A. Clippers. I, I mean, this is... These these dollar amounts now are insane. And I mean, look, pro athletes make a lot of money. We live in a society that values its entertainment and, and values sports. So I'm not going to begrudge the opportunities for these people to make money. I'd take it if someone offered to me. But the fact that I realize, well, he might stay with Toronto because the Raptors could offer him more money. But if you really want to go live somewhere and play somewhere, so he's, I mean, he's sacrificing just under $4 million a year, but he's making over 30. I mean, it's not like he's sacrificing $4 million a year to go down from five to one. He's going down from 38 to 34. He is going to be fine financially, unless all of a sudden he starts deciding he has to own every Intellivision game ever made or something. I don't know. Great system, by the way. Uh, but so that's the deal with uh, Kali. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Kawhi Leonard, we'll have more on that later on in the program. Our good buddy Morley Scott will check in from Vancouver when we get back at 6.15. Inside Sports on Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30 Chet. Up and through, and that's seven field goals for Sean White. And we got, we got some we got pushing, some pushing and, shoving. and shoving going on. All right, well, this is usually the part of the show where I would play the Eskimos, an Eskimos touchdown from their most recent game. 
Uh, I don't have one, so I have Morley Scott calling a field goal. <laughs> Sean White's seventh of the game from a couple of weeks ago in Winnipeg. Seven scoring plays for the Eskimos, but they were all field goals, and they lost 28-21 to Winnipeg, so they will uh, try to find the end zone several times tomorrow against the BC Lions, and we bring in Morley from Vancouver uh, <laughs> to get you ready for the Bros game. How's it going, buddy? It's good, thanks. It's, it's funny, I was talking to Sean White yesterday, we were talking about uh, the different feelings that he and uh, Sergey Alvarez had after their, their most recent games. Of course, he's the kicker for the BC Lions as well. Uh, he, Sean White kicks seven field goals, sets a franchise record for most field goals in a game, but his team doesn't score a touchdown and they lose the game. Uh, uh, on the other side of things, uh, it's, a, it's uh, a game, op- an opportunity to win the game, right? You got a game winner uh, for Castillo to kick and he misses it but they still win the game because he gets a single point out of it. And he said, I get seven field goals. I feel pretty good about my game, but I can't celebrate because my team lost. My team loses. He kicks a field goal and misses it, but still gets to celebrate because his team wins the game from it. So it's kind of a weird uh, juxtaposition for the two field goal kickers, uh, Castillo and Sean White, going into this game. All right, the uh, the Eskimos had their bye. Uh, they got back to work on Friday. I was talking a little bit about some of the team activities and, and, and the bonding that they're emphasizing this season. So the, the one name that stands out to me that I am ready to see this guy rock and roll because he had some awesome performances as a Calgary Stampeder. He became an Edmonton Eskimo in the offseason. Davaris Daniels, Morley. Very excited to play. He hasn't played a game since September of last year. Uh, he lit it up against the Eskimos as a Stampeder in the two Labor Day games last year. Had over 100 yards in both games. And then the next week, the Stampeders went to Hamilton. And I think it was his collarbone he broke in that game. And he didn't get to play. And he missed the Grey Cup game. Uh, then eventually signed with the Eskimos. And then gets hurt, has a concussion in uh, the Winnipeg game in the preseason. And hasn't played yet. And then he got healthy. And because of the way the team was going through the first two games, and ratio issues. They couldn't get him onto the roster, but he's on the roster for tomorrow, and he's very excited. I'm excited to see him play. I talked to Trevor Harris earlier today here in Vancouver, and, and he's real excited to get him the football. He's a guy, uh, as you'll recall, read the story, goes at, on free agency day that he reached out uh, to Devaris Daniels and said, hey, why don't you join me in Edmonton? And, and Daniels, they'd never talked before. He got his number, phoned him, and said, hey, I really like the way you play. I've seen you on tape, and I like what I see from you, and I want to throw you football. So why don't you come to Edmonton and play football with me? And it worked out that he did, and tonight they get to, or tomorrow night they get to go in the field together for the first time. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, Daniels play, and obviously the receivers have looked pretty good overall for the Eskimos this season. I know there were some drops late in that uh, Winnipeg game that cost them a chance to to tie it up, so I'm sure they'll be looking to to bounce back from some of those for sure. Uh, on the uh, offensive line, do we have uh, do we have a bit of a ratio change there because Ruby's coming? Yeah. Back? To get Daniels into the lineup, they needed to take an American out and put a Canadian in somewhere. So they did that by uh, uh, moving uh, Jacob Ruby back in to start at left guard in place of Travis Bond, who's been moved to the practice roster. So uh, those are the two changes on offense with uh, Daniels coming in at receiver and Ruby coming in at the left guard spot. And that means that uh, uh, 
Smith and Ajay will now share that other receiver spot. I would think we'd see more of Nate Ajay than Tavon Smith in that position as well. So uh, the Eskimos will go with four American receivers tomorrow. That'll be the changes on offense. One change on defensive note, and that is at the cornerback spot where uh, Godfrey Onyeka has started the first three games. Arjun Colhoun will get the start at that position on the wide side corner in the game tomorrow night. Okay, well, looking forward to seeing Colhoun. He had some pretty good moments, I thought, as he developed as a player over the last couple of years, but he's fought through some injuries too. So it's cool he's going to get the start. All right, so... You know, I had Riley on the show yesterday and uh, asked him about they're trying to use their their backs more. I mean, I thought that was a clear deficiency for them in the first couple games of the season is that, and I think that's part of the reason Riley was getting hit so much, is that they they fell behind and you knew they were going to pass. Uh, They've been trying to get White more involved uh, over the last couple of games, so I'm sure they'll stick to that. But you know he's going to throw it because they, they got Lamar Durant and he's outstanding. Yeah, they've had a great uh, a great bit of chemistry going on. I was talking to Riley this morning, and he said that uh, back in, in February, after he signed with the Lions in February and March, he spent a lot of time with Lamar Durant at the practice uh, facility in, in Surrey, throwing footballs to him, and, uh, you know, just, just the two of them out in the field. And he said, we really started to develop our chemistry back in February and March, and it's carried over into the start of the season. Lamar Durant, he's been the story, I think, so far. You, you, you Brian Burnham... It's going to be good. There's no doubt about that. But he was hurt, didn't play last week. Deron Carter, we're still waiting for that big breakout game from him as a member of the BC Lions. But the guy who's been the most dependable has been uh, Durant, uh, 308 yards, four touchdowns so far. Uh, his best season in the CFL, read with Calgary, 402 yards back in 2016. Uh, he's less than 100 yards away from that after four games this year. So he is having an absolute breakout season for the Lions. This is already the second time these teams are going to play this season. Uh, the Eskimos and Lions have three matchups overall, but this is, uh, and they also played three times last year too, right? Because they had the two games in Vancouver, and this year they have yep. the two in Edmonton. And that was part of what cost Edmonton a playoff spot. Is they? I, I mean, I know they wound up a couple games behind, but they lost the season series to Vancouver. I was talking about how they they blew two of the games in Vancouver last year, so they they want to put that behind them. And already having the season series potentially under their belts after week five, that that is pretty significant, I think, when you look big picture. It sure is, especially when everyone thinks the CFL West is going to be so close and so hotly contested for not just top spot, but for making a playoff spot. I mean, the Eskimos and Lions, what they both finished 9-9 nine nine last year, and the season series was the reason the Lions made the playoffs and the Eskimos didn't. So getting that under your belt early, especially early, I think is pretty important for the uh, for the Eskimos. They've got a chance to wrap that up because they won the first game. Uh, they'll play again later in the season back in Edmonton in the third game, and uh, that's when the Lions, you know, obviously they feel they want to win tomorrow night so they can get the season series in that game at Edmonton later on in the season but it does play a big role in the season I think it could come down if if the Eskimos win tomorrow could come down to the fact that if they're close at the end of the year like oh yeah they already won the season series so they don't even have to worry about BC to a certain extent in the standings and I mean if they win tomorrow Eskimos are three and one the Lions would go to one and four they might not have to worry about them anyway well and that's the interesting thing about uh about the Lions and look it's it's pro sports. Anything could happen uh, in in 24 hours. And Friday, Blake and I could be breaking down an Eskimos loss. Who knows? But I, I don't think I'm I'm being mean spirited, and I don't believe in jinxes. I mean, the Lions simply haven't looked good, Morley. They they haven't looked. They the best they looked was against Calgary, 
Yeah, uh, and, and they, they and, and they, they blew it, and they didn't look against Toronto, but they beat a, a pretty poor team in the end. Yeah, they they looked pretty good against uh, Calgary, but they found a way to lose at the end of it, and in a wild finish with with uh, the Stampeders completing uh, the the short kick to get the ball back and score a couple of touchdowns in the last what ninety seconds or two minutes of that football game. So you're right, they did not look very good last week. They should have lost. I mean, if that game, and I, I'm sure you've talked about this too, if that game's played anywhere else last week, the Lions, I don't know if they they lose it, but they certainly don't win it on that play. Uh, they'll go. They'd go to overtime because you know the 17-yard end zones for the for the Argos in at BMO Field, and that uh, Chris Rainey didn't have enough room to make the catch and stay in bounds. If that's in a regulation-sized uh, end zone, he makes the catch and maybe runs it out or maybe kicks it out, and they go to overtime, and the game's still to be decided. But the Lions did not look very good. I mean, they played the worst, flat out the worst team in the league so far this year is Toronto. People have been lighting them up. They gave up. 40-plus points in their first two games of the year. The Lions needed a single on the last play of the game to get to 18 points to win the football game. So they have not looked good so far this year. We'll see uh, We'll see how they come out. But, you know, they're, they're a work in progress a lot like the Eskimos are because they've made so many changes this year. Yeah, long year. And, uh, I mean, I give Ed Hervey and the Lions credit last year. They, they made some key changes during the season to, uh, to improve the run. I mean, this is what I, I, how I always say, and I said this la- a couple weeks ago, for the Eskimos, I think you would have to favor Winnipeg if you were going into the, the Eskimos-Winnipeg game a couple of weeks ago, and I think you would favor the Eskimos going into tomorrow's game, but that, that doesn't mean necessarily how it's going to sh- shake down. Morley, thanks for checking in. Looking forward to hearing you on the airwaves tomorrow, man. You bet, Reed. Anytime. Talk to you later. All right. That is Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for the Green and Gold right here on 630 Chad. We have the 630 News, and then we have a very special guest, former Edmonton Oiler, now signed on with the Calgary Flames in studio with Brandon Davidson when we get back. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. You can always text 630 630. Uh, Oh boy, I just got a really long text. I'll have to get to that one a little later. Uh, and another texter uh, writing in, uh, you know what, I appreciate it if you sign a name to your text or a handle you want to go by, but uh, this texter says, okay, let's be honest, Jason Moss is probably the problem. He only got a contract in hopes Mike would stay because they are friends, uh, but nobody in the room really respects or responds well to Jason Moss. We're not going to have a fun room until the end of the season when he's gone. Just my opinion, I love the Eskimos, but obviously not the biggest Jason Moss fan. Yeah, pretty obvious by what you wrote there. Uh, look, Jason Moss has uh, made a couple questionable coaching decisions, certainly in the West Final a couple of years ago. I wasn't as caught up with the one he made in Winnipeg as as some of you. It's not what I would have done, but it's it was a lot easier to, def- to defend than what happened in the West Final. Uh, I hope he uh, he reigns it in this year. I mean, the, the headphone smashing from a couple of years ago wasn't a good look. They've won more games, but they've lost as him as the coach. Uh, he's trying to address what he th- thought was a problem last year in terms of team camaraderie and bonding and that type of stuff. That's the coach's job. If it doesn't work, then he's going to be then he's going to be scrutinized again. And you know, pro sports is pretty simple: you do well in the playoffs, you win championships, or you don't. To this point, he hasn't done that. 
uh, his GM thinks he's he's the guy to do that here right now, he'll be evaluated as we go on. The team looks pretty good so far this season. So all I say is, if if you don't like the guy, that's fine. I'm not going to tell you to like the guy. And I, and I have questioned some of the things he's done on the show myself, but I but I think he's done some things well. And I think he definitely has some strength as a football coach. Again, until he wins a championship or really has some good years, it's going to be picked apart. But, uh, but I mean, to that texture, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't only say, well, the Eskimos did these things wrong, so it's Moss's fault. And then when they do things well, which they have for the most part this year, not include him in that. that that's all I'm saying. He's going to be the coach for the rest of the year, so we'll continue evaluating him. All right, and there's a, a longer text to uh, about the Eskimos, and I, I just saw it come in, so I want to read it and uh, process it before I read it later on the show. And I have a very special guest standing by from the Calgary Flames. Boy, that sounds weird. Defenseman Brandon Davidson. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing it's well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, awesome to see you again. Thanks a lot for, for popping in. So you're spending your summers in Edmonton, eh? Yes, yes, I am. Uh, I've been here for about uh, two summers now, uh, working with um, a group of guys here that... Uh, that um, and then Simon Bennett um, throughout the summers and, and a few uh, few other guys uh, on the ice as well. All right, well, good good to have you in. I, I appreciate you coming in, and we've been obviously able to uh, stay in touch since your. Uh how many times were you, you were an oiler? Two? <laughs> three? Twice. Twice. <laughs> I actually thought I was talking to somebody today, and I actually thought it was three, and then I was like, wait a minute, I think it was only two. But they, but we they we thought there might be three if they were going to bring you back last year. That would have been three. <laughs> that would have been something. Because <laughs> last year there were there were some talks about you coming back. Yeah, I think there was a little bit actually. Um, I'm not too sure to what extent, but right. uh, I did hear some muttering. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about uh, the decision to sign with the Flames. I mean, free agency is. Uh, uh, not a stress-free process, I'm sure, for a lot of guys. What was it like for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it can be a stressful process, and I kind of went through that last season. Um, I mean, I didn't sign a PTO till um, September, uh, day before sh- uh, Chicago's uh, main camp, and um, this year, not the case. Um, I was able to get a deal done with Calgary, and um, was able to get an understanding of uh, of what they wanted from me, and and you know what they also needed on the back end as well. And, um, seemed to kind of fit that profile that they were looking for and um, gave me a huge opportunity um, th- this coming uh, this coming season to to kind of stick on the team and, and, and play for the year. Obviously, very good team. They didn't do what they wanted in the playoffs, but second overall, over 50 wins during the regular season. Uh, a pretty good blue line led by Giordano, who won, uh, who won the Norris Trophy. Now, when a team talks to you, how... How specific are they about there being a slot? Because I assume they want to leave things. Yeah, they know the coaching staff is going to have to make some decisions, and it goes. And they want to give you. So how how specific might they be in terms of how they see you fitting in? Yeah, I think they were honest with me. Um, as you've seen, a couple guys uh, le- left Calgary, so that kind of leaves um, a position open. And um, I think they have a a young Russian that's going to maybe come in and play a little bit as well. And um, I think just speaking with them, uh, kind of getting a better understanding of uh, of fighting for for a job and, and fighting to push, you know, everybody to be better. And and I think that uh, you know I did that last year in Chicago. There wasn't um, a big sample piece there with the injury uh, stricken season that I had, but um, I think I was on their radar and and kind of fit that um, 
that role that they do need and um, you know they were pretty pretty honest with me they just said you know you need to come in here and you need to do well off the bat and and if I can if I'm able to do that I think that uh, there'll be a spot for me and and well really that's nothing new to you nothing I mean, new to me I mean welcome I've, to the NHL right you're <laughs> yeah I've always kind of came that way from the bottom so this is no different for me but um, also very serious for me and and something that uh Something that uh, I want to make a point and prove to myself that uh, that I belong once again. Well, and I know you're going to be focused on doing that. I got you where your stats here from last year. And well, don't look at those. Well, no, but I mean, I, I, really all you need to look at is the games played because that's <laughs> unfortunately the story of last season. You played 10 games uh, with Chicago and you played six games for their farm team in Rockford. So outline for, for your fans here the, the, the injury struggles and how you're doing. Yeah, just an injury-stricken season for me. Uh, very frustrating one, for sure. I'm, I came into camp on a PTO, and I was able to kind of push a few guys out of their spots, and um, everything was going really well. And then um, I, had a, I had a knee injury that I had to kind of take care of and uh, step back for a little bit. And um, the way Chicago started the season last year, there was a lot of interchanging parts between, you know, uh, coaching and, yep. and and players as well so um, kind of had to fight through all that stuff and then when I did get a chance to kind of come back um, uh, I was pushed down to the minor leagues um, and and then the workload just kind of increases from being 14 minutes a night to to uh, a guy playing 28 uh, 26 minutes right. a night kind of thing so um, I think uh, the massive change in workload was something that uh, I wasn't ready for, and I, I don't think that uh, me or the coaches kind of managed very well. And, you know, it, it turned out to be um, an injury that resulted from it and um, kind of kept me off the ice that way. Well, that's tough. So, and you had a couple surgeries along the way? or uh, Just one surgery. Just one surgery. One okay. for the knee, and then one actually um, it was a it was a groin injury. And, okay. Um, something that I had to get repaired. And you're feeling good now? Yeah, feeling great now. I actually been on the ice for about a couple weeks, and I mean, I've been training for better side of three months now, and um, everything feels like it's ready to roll. Well, that's good. Good her. Brandon Davidson joining us here on Inside Sports, signed a free agent contract with the Calgary Flames, telling you a little bit about his uh, journey last year with the Blackhawks organization, and of course, uh, twice a member of uh, of the Edmonton Oilers organization. When you, do they... Did they actively, well, I mean, obviously they're asking about the injury issues when they're talking to you about free agency. And was that, uh, how big a concern for you was that going in, knowing you'd have to answer those questions? Yeah, I mean, that was a big concern for them. Um, definitely a liability thing, um, to say the least. But um, through talking with them, um, with my agent, and and uh, kind of discussing where I was at physically and 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 what they kind of needed from me if if um you know the supply and demand was going to be <laughs> be there and um i think uh i had a lot of time before the uh, a lot of time to kind of prepare myself and um you know rehab the the injuries and and um just talking with them uh they felt very uh they felt very good about signing me and and you know moving forward on on uh, on that sort of things all right. Brandon Davidson is in studio. Uh, if you have a question for uh, Brandon, you can fire it on the text line to uh, 630-630. I know a lot of you uh, liked his work here uh, with the Oilers, and we're hoping he might have stuck around a, a little longer. Didn't quite work out. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That way, but uh, he's joined on the other side of the Battle of Alberta. So you can text 630-630. Plenty more with Brandon when we get back. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.47. Tomorrow in this time slot, Eskimos and BC Lions, 6 o'clock. Countdown to kickoff. The game will start at 8 right here on 6.30. Chad Reed Wilkins joined by Calgary Flames defense. I have to keep saying that so I get used to saying it. Calgary Flames defenseman Brandon Davison. Uh, we're into CFL season. We saw the Raptors win. Uh, we've had, what, three golf majors already with Tiger winning. Um, I mean, I got some buddies that are huge into F1. I don't know as much about it. What or do you follow anything besides the NHL, which is your job? Yeah. Uh, do, do you like religiously follow any other sports? Or no, honestly, not really? honestly, I do not. Um, the most religious thing I do follow maybe is darts. <laughs> One hundred and forty. <laughs> Just because I like that saying. You'll but actually no. watch darts on TV. No, no, I won't. Honestly, <laughs> I. It's always on in the locker room, and in the summertime, I just see it and I cringe every time. But, but no, I, I mean, I watch a few Blue Jays games. Um, I always used to watch um, uh, them play with my grandma growing up, and so I catch a few games, but um, not religiously. And. Um, I keep a little bit of tabs on uh, the Eskimos. Just uh, I work with a guy at uh, Pivotal Therapy, um, Craig Wilson, and he treats a lot of them. So I kind of met the guys a little bit and stuff. And um, so I, I keep tabs a little bit, but uh, not a whole lot. I'm I'm the kind of guy that just uh, doesn't watch a whole lot of TV, <laughs> which is not a bad habit. Which is not which is not a bad habit at all. Uh, but it is interesting when you, like you said, you, well, you know a guy. Like if you're a pro athlete and you get to know other pro athletes, you tend to, or people who work with teams, you tend to pay attention just because of the mutual respect, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's the best way to put it. I think that, uh, I mean, you meet these guys and, you know, there's much more than just the player on the field or, or, or something like that and um, kind of take a little bit of interest. <laughs> All right, I got some text to six thirty six thirty. You wanna you wanna respond to some fans? I would love to. You have one or two, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, well, Luke actually has a comment. He says, "I like Brandon Davidson's work ethic and attitude when he was here." Best of luck in Cowtown. Thank you, Luke. I appreciate that. Uh, well, and look, you don't make the NHL without the work ethic. No, not me, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Fair comment. Um, how much skill do you have to... From I'm not going to ask you to single anybody out, but you've been around, you know, you've had a hundred or so teammates probably with yes. all your teams <laughs> over the years. Uh, how much skill do you have to have to overcome a bad attitude <laughs> in the National Hockey League? Because that can be the deciding factor, right, if it's between a couple of guys. I mean, that's a loaded question. <laughs> it is. I didn't word that very well. Um... I don't know. I mean, those guys, those those skilled players that you see now in the NHL, those those guys aren't just gifted hockey players anymore. They they work just as hard as uh, as, as myself, who's not as skilled, and um, you know, um, they don't maybe get the credit that they deserve. But uh, nowadays, everybody's kind of on the on the same work ethic kind of page, and I think that um, 
If you're not, you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> one thing I've noticed, and I, I mean, like, I only know Connor McDavid professionally. I get to interview him. Sometimes you might get to have a bit of a chat with him. But it just, and you got to be his teammate. It just seems to me he's, it seems to me he's obsessed with hockey. And I don't mean that in a, well, like he's crazy way. It's just, I think it's like a consuming drive for him. Yeah. That's a fair statement to say. Um, knowing him off the ice, um, I, I, I know that he devotes a lot of himself to the game, um, whether that be um, working in the community or, or working after hours, like on, on his skill or, or his body and everything. And um, it, it's really fun to watch. I mean, you see the skill on the ice, but I mean, there's a lot of hard work that goes behind that. And I mean, he's such a good, um, good player and even a better person the way he holds himself. Okay, I'm going to ask you this. This one actually is a loaded question too. Uh, but the team hasn't done well the last couple of years after making the playoffs in McDavid's second year in the league. So sometimes, you know, Rob and I, after games, we talk to frustrated people, and I get it. Oilers fans have reasons to be frustrated. But I get the, well, they, he's too young to be a captain. It doesn't matter that he's good. He can't be the captain when you're that young. You've been in the dressing room. Does that, does that hold any water? I, I, I Honestly, I think he, he needs to be the captain. Um, I could see how the first year um, that they, they kept him away from that kind of role definitely... Um, need to kind of step into the league and learn from maybe those older players. And um, he had, had a, a lot of guys around him, like Lucic and stuff, that won a Stanley Cup in Boston. Um, I think the players like like that um, definitely influence um, younger guys. But um, knowing Connor and, and when he did kind of accept that C and, and become that captain, um, it, it was not something that you just, boom, that's... that's what you are it's something that he it takes time to learn how to develop and how to round out and um i knew in the dressing room when a guy like him um you know commands the room and and i think when he talks uh, uh players listen and and he he really seemed to kind of have that driving force in the locker room in tech 630 richard says uh sad to hear uh that we lost brandon davidson again well that was Again, <laughs> he, he wasn't actually back this summer. Yes, <laughs> uh, but I know what Richard is saying. He goes, uh, maybe his. Oh, you, I'm gonna, this will be interesting to hear you respond to this one. Richard says maybe his skill was matchable by other defensemen on the depth chart, but I like the ruggedness in his game. Maybe fair. I think I don't know. <laughs> to, He's not saying you might you're have not to tell skilled, me. but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's just kind of been the player that I've always been, um, the hard-working type of defenseman. But um, there was definitely a little bit of skill, I think, involved. Um, I definitely picked up a few things along the way. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I honestly, I felt like uh, both of my uh, both of my two time periods here, um, I showed that. Uh, I could kind of play a little bit of both, but um, more so on the defensive side of things and um you know i took pride in that and um i I had a lot of fun and and learned a lot of or had a lot of memories here in edmonton and um i think that uh i just wish they would have would have had more time here i think uh, both times when i left um i wasn't ready to leave and um i kind of felt like my time was cut short uh i remember how thrilled you were when you came back from the canadians that might be the happiest i've ever seen you yeah the I mean, first media scrum yes <laughs> you, you, you were you were happy you you know what i i will say this 
Uh, I mean, you got nine career goals, and and you're right. I mean, you're, when you're out there, you're generally relied on for defense and defending. I, I thought you had and still have. I thought you had a pretty good slap shot when you were able to get it off. I remember you, and I think four, oddly enough, I think four of your nine career goals are against the Flames. Yeah, yeah, I know <laughs> two of them are. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think sometimes you're labeled as a as a player on the ice and, and you're expected to only do those things and um, you're kind of only put in certain situations that um, you're expected to succeed in. And I think that um, the Oilers did a good job of managing that um, at some times, but I also think that um, maybe they were taking, I was taking away a few things um, and that uh, being in different situations, I could have maybe produced um, some more points. Okay. Uh, oh, well, can you, you, can you stick around after seven a little bit? Yep. You got time? Because yep. we're getting a lot of good questions. Um, this texture says, Brandon gave a puck to my daughter at her first Oilers game. Sorry to see you in Calgary rather than Edmonton. So there's a nice little memory. <laughs> hey, fun fact, actually. I give um, one puck away, actually, every warm-up just to some little girl or little boy. And um, I love seeing their, the smile on their face. I think that's kind of... Uh, half the reason why I play. <laughs> uh, Richard says, what is your favorite Oilers memory and do you have a favorite NHL goal in your career? Yeah, I could, both of those are the same in one. Um, it actually was the two-goal night against Calgary. Um, I'd actually come in for the second time and played well, played 10 games in a row, and I, I was basically picked up because uh, the Oilers had a few guys um, injured, so I was I was just there filling in. I was picked off waivers and... Um, was kind of given a given whatever what it was and, and ran with it. But um, when those injured guys came back, I'd, I'd been sitting for a while, and uh, I was uh, I was kind of frustrated because the way I was playing was um, was pretty good. And uh, when I was able to come back, I mean, a Battle of Alberta game, I was able to score two goals, and I don't think. Um, why it's my first two goal game ever and i mean it doesn't happen very often for me so and was that the one the mcdavid look upstairs gesture the shootout yes it was it was yes it was the flames were up yep uh and you got the one from the funny angle yep and then i think cassian might have scored and then you got a slapper as well yeah i got one right in the slot and it was like a slapper from the hash marks and then (laughs) you guys had strom had the Strom had the disallowed goal yep. after McDavid cut through the crease, and then McDavid scored on the shootout, and he gave... Yeah. I don't know if you even know this, Brandon, because I, I don't know if you would bother looking at a game. He got an abusive official's misconduct. No, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he got a 10-minute abusive official misconduct <laughs> for giving the look upstairs. It was gesture. kind of bittersweet, though. I did I did like it. <laughs> more with Brandon Davidson. More of your questions for him to 6.30, when we get back to Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.